0: There wasn't one, he just, you know, a virgin yeah. birth. Oh. oh, that's 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 fine, yeah, 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 yeah. The Bible, yeah, just use <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what was Jesus' Medichlorian count? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello, welcome to The Cutting Room, the movie critique show from All the Right Movies. I'm John, and with me today are Matt. Hello. And Westy. Hello. Wesley getting in the spirit of things by coming dressed as George Lucas today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You said you were going to mention that. That's how far he gets into me. How far he gets into me subconscious. (laughs) Well, our previous... I'm here to direct a media uh, YouTube video. (laughs)
1: Well, our previous two episodes of The Cutting Room have been reviews of new releases in The Batman and X, but today we're going a few years back to critique a, a classic, or a hit?
0: <laughs> critique. <laughs> it yeah, it was a uh, hit. yeah, it's definitely a it hit. The yeah, box office hit. hit.
1: Well, what it definitely is, yeah. is a film that occupies a fascinating and pretty unique spot, I think, in film history. So yeah. we're talking about the one and only Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yes. Before we do that though, just to let everybody know that All The Right Movies is a YouTube channel and what you're listening to now is the audio podcast version of the latest episode of our YouTube show called The Cutting Room. The original video version along with many other episodes and videos is available on YouTube so please head over to our channel to watch and subscribe. We actually started out as a podcast, and you can access our full archive of over 120 podcast episodes on our website, alltherightmovies.com, or by signing up to become an All The Right Movies patron at patreon.com forward slash All The Right Movies. Patrons also gain access to loads of other benefits as well, including an exclusive video episode of The Cutting Room every month, chosen by and created specifically for our patrons. So as you can see, there's loads from all the right movies to keep you busy. So please check out YouTube and Patreon. But for now, it's back to the film. The three of us are all old enough to remember The Phantom Menace, the first time round in 1999, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that run-up, I mean, it was the most eagerly anticipated film in history, possibly. Nice. Nice. The hype surrounding this movie has been overwhelming.
2: Now the question is, will it deliver? Its release oh, yeah.
1: was a big event and the critical and public slamming it received afterwards has become pretty legendary as well. Mm -hmm. But despite that slamming, we're still here talking about it. So why are we talking about The Phantom Menace now over 20 years later, Matt?
2: Well, I guess because now it's complete, isn't it, the whole Skywalker saga thing? So people kind of get divided into camps. Do you prefer the original trilogy? Do you prefer the prequels? Do you prefer the sequels? How does it all balance out? Were there... Were the prequels as bad as everyone says, or was there just too much <laughs> expectation heaped upon it? Was there actually mm. some interesting stuff in there? Um, you know, I mean, it's so people obsess over it, people fight over it, people fall out over it. Yeah. So I think it should still be good to go back and just answer the question, is it as bad as we remember it being?
1: Yeah. Well, we're going to find out. <laughs> mm. well, my earliest memory of the film is actually when the trailer for it first came out. Like 1998, yeah. it must have been. Yeah. I mean, what a trailer that was. I watched it it's again before we did this. It is still a brilliant trailer. First time yeah, round with no context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the battle droid, the pod race looked incredible in that trailer. And that shot of Darth mm-hmm. Maul lighting a double-ended lightsaber. I mean, I thought I was yeah. going to burst into flames the first time I saw that and I was 17. <laughs> Do you remember that, yeah. that Austin Powers trailer as well? The one that said, if you see one film this summer, see Star Wars. Yes. But if you see two. If
0: you see two, see us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Yeah. brilliant.
1: you were expecting someone else? (laughs) And when it came out the film and I saw it, I was perplexed. I think is the word more than anything. It was like, (laughs) was that good? It must have been. It must have been good. It yeah. can't have been bad, surely. I need to see it again. <laughs> so I did see it yeah. again five times at the cinema. It's the most of the times I've ever well, seen I... any film at the cinema. I think I was hoping it was all suddenly going to click, but yeah. it never really did. And to be honest, it mm. still really hasn't. And I'm still pretty perplexed about the whole thing more than anything else. I think what makes The Phantom Menace interesting now and worth talking about is that run-up. This is back in the day when movies would come out in the US about three months before the UK and I remember people flying yeah. out to see it from the UK to be first in line. You see footage now of those people back then and the thought there might actually not be good is like an impossibility to them. They can't compute a reality yeah. where the Phantom Menace will not be brilliant. What are you going to do
2: if the movie
0: really sucks? <laughs> uh probably see it again. There are now eight wonders of the world one of them being this this movie. <laughs>
1: And watching that now, I mean, it's like, yeah, there's no chance of this going wrong. Is there absolutely no chance? <laughs> but I would say we're not here to say George Lucas raped our childhood or anything stupid like that. <laughs> no. In all honesty as well, with the nostalgia I have, I've actually developed a bit of fondness for this film over the years, much more so than the other two prequel films, I would say. So we're going to look at it through our eyes now, like you say, Matt, and how well or badly mm. it's aged, which should be funny. I mean, interesting.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, should
1: and Westy, you win the Phantom Menace, still furious?
0: So, so furious. I'm still furious. Do- I'm only doing this because I just I need closure. I think this is this is a lot to do with, with what's wrong with this. And I think we need to address a few things. And I think I'm Be a like,
2: new man after this. Hopefully, be a new man. It's like, this is... i going to burn the lumberjack at the top.
0: Exactly, but, that, but that's the thing. It's like... Yeah, I just need closure from it. Really, I just I need I need some peace in my life, and then I think this is one of them things that, really, like you, John. I was just so confused by it, mm. and I did leave, and I thought that was brilliant. And then it, I just slowly thought as, as I thought about the film going like on the night time. Just was it? Yeah. That later, table fight was good, but what was the middle? <laughs> yeah. What was that? Why? Yeah. Why is the two queen, queen what, <laughs> what, Why did the run? Why did the run so fast and then never do it again? Yeah. What? What <laughs> the fuck is going on? It was just one of them things. It was just for me very confusing, and I think, I think it might be to Lucas. You know to be applauded really he's made it so confusing people have to go back to the cinema and watch it five times no wonder it was a hit <laughs> so yeah I just I want some therapy I want some feedback I want some closure I want to put this to bed so let's do it <laughs> great
1: well let's do it then we're going all in on The Phantom Menace 32 years before the event of the original Star Wars two Jedi Knights set out to stop the Trade Federation from carrying out a full scale invasion of Naboo on their travels, they come across a gifted boy, a clumsy idiot, and a few possibly racist stereotypes along the way to discovering the dreaded Sith have returned. Yeah. Written and directed by the big fella, George Walton Lucas, The Phantom Menace was produced by Lucasfilm, distributed by 20th Century Fox, and stars Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn, Hugh McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Natalie Portman as Queen Amidala, Jake Lloyd as Anakin Skywalker, and Ahmed Best as George Binks. I've written George or Bonk's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I not want nice. entirely. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. <laughs> 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 Sounds like it's better. <laughs> so what we do on our Cutting Room episode is dissect the movie in question by discussing the direction, the writing, the cast, the visuals, our own individual highlights, and then we'll decide if the film makes the cut or ends up on the Cutting Room floor. Mm. Mm-hmm. So up first then, the first part, every saga has a beginning and we're talking about the direction of The Phantom Menace. Having not directed a movie in 22 years, George Lucas suddenly decided he was in a position to direct the most anticipated film of all time.
0: Mm-hmm. How'd that turn out, Westy? Yeah. Well, not very well, did it? <laughs> um, I think it's it's fairly obvious that he's... The, the, what he did on Star Wars was just a real passion project mm. and a, a bit of a fluke, really, that it that it came off. And this, he's pushed it a little bit too far. I know that there was other people that he'd approached. I know he approached Zemeckis. I know he approached Ron Howard. Mm. I know he approached Spielberg. And they all said it was too much for them to do. So I think it was just one of them things where he thought, if this is going to get made, I'm going to have to do it myself. Yeah. Nobody else can take this on. This is mine. This is my responsibility, so i want to do it. But he's just just a kid with too many sweets, isn't he? He's just got too much to play yeah. with, too much to throw out. He's too confused about. What he wants it to be about he just thinks it can it fail and it has he has this kind of almost naive ignorance just because it's star wars and because it was so successful that it will be successful and he was right yeah because he, he could have put anything out in 99 oh, yeah. related to star wars see a lightsaber again yeah after 22 years you know the people who'd seen it, even we grew up with it and then there was generations before us who'd seen it in the 70s and you've got a huge huge fan base there who are going to see it regardless mm. yeah so it was one of them things. It was like just let's see how much merchandise we can get out of it. Let's see how many how much we can get, you know, this to smash the box office. Let's just get made one of the most amazing trailers ever made just to entice people in. I mean, people were going to the cinema to paying full money to watch a film and then leave after yeah, the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I remember that happening because I was working at the cinema at the right. time, and this is this got me the job at the cinema because it was going to be so busy. Really, there was, bringing on extra people so this is how I got the ah, job right. so I am quite nostalgic to this as well which meant that I could go in and watch that lightsaber fight any time that I wanted <laughs> yeah. which was fantastic because <laughs> so I was going to watch the end so I didn't actually have to pay for it and go and watch it that many times but yeah I mean he just doesn't know what he's what he wants to do. It's just very confused. The direction of this film is just almost non-existent. Yeah. It's just so basic. I mean, I know he said to Sarah Finowitz, who did the voice of Darth Maul, just make him sound evil, mm. <laughs> and then you know the designer for Darth Maul just draw your worst nightmare. Yeah, and it's direction like that that it's just wide open and just being like, well, it's not it's not specific enough for me. And that, that it, it comes across in the film. There's nothing specific about this film. It's got absolutely no. Kind of point where it's driving towards. It hasn't got a main character for a start. Like we don't have a have a clue what's going on. So it. I mean, he knew for a fact he had something that was going to win, but then you know called it The Phantom Menace. What's a Phantom Menace? There isn't a Phantom Menace in the film, it just sounds cool. <laughs> it's a Flash Gordon body from the 60s. Yeah, that's where you coming, got it from. Yeah, it? Mm. yeah, and mm. it's just like, oh, that just sounds cool. Yeah. But the title doesn't even relate to the film. That's how confused the direction <laughs> is here.
1: Yeah, Madness. I mean, of all the bad things about The Phantom Menace, and there's quite a few bad things, some good things as well, which we'll talk about. But of all the yeah. bad things, I think the worst might be the direction. Lucas seems every inch the director who hasn't made a film for 22 years there's a story here I don't think it's too bad a story either but Lucas telling of that story his own story and pulling it all together is very poor the storytelling generally I think is confusing so I'm gonna ask you both the question the start of the film mm-hmm. when we're with Obi-Wan Qui-Gon and the blockade on the ship can I either have you tell me what's going on there with that blockade because I've got no idea
0: still no, no idea <laughs> They, they went to settle some kind of trade federation deal for Naboo, didn't they? And then some, then they start talking about taxation, yeah. and then I started you know, <laughs> like, <get> your lightsaber out, <laughs> will you please? <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I don't know, it's just so such throwaway dialogue, it's outrageous the start of the film it, it's just when you see the, the lightsabers ignite and the smoke it's like yes yeah you've got your audience back but nobody knows what's going on and nobody cares uh,
1: exactly yeah really and then the final act we've got four plot lines running simultaneously in the lightsaber fight Amidala and her troops in the palace Jar Jar and the Gungan battle and the space battle with Anakin four simultaneous plot lines I mean great if you can pull that off fantastic mm-hmm. but Lucas doesn't yep. pull it off it's really muddled and the tones don't match either it's like watching at least yeah. two different films that final act and working with the cast I mean Lucas has got an A-list cast here and he manages to get all-time worst performances out of every one of them that's I mean some achievement that some of them have ruined their (laughs) careers some of them have ruined their lives have you seen any of the making of documentary the beginning it's called it's full access behind the scenes it's really good and Lucas is totally surrounded by yes men who are scared of saying anything negative to him, Rick McCallum, who produced the film. Rick McCallum would rather stick a fork in his own eye than say, not sure about that, mind, George. My sole function in life is to make what George wants physically happen. There's a bit on there yeah. as well when Spielberg visits the set and Lucas is talking to him about the Gungan battle at the end.
0: Ten thousand troops on either on both side. Both sides coming at, each other. coming at each other. That's great. It's going to be great. That's going to
1: be
3: great. It's going to be great. That's going to be great. great.
1: Over and over again, and Spielberg just is made telling him what he wants to hear, I think. But Lucas yeah, yeah, genuinely yeah. thinks it's going to be great, and I wish it had been, George. I genuinely do. We have I wish been. it had been.
0: To me, it's it's not like he hasn't directed a film for 22 years. It's like he hasn't seen a film for 22 years. <laughs> it
1: is. It is. Some, of the, some of the mistakes are so basic, it's crazy. Yeah,
0: some of the camera moves are just outrageous. It's just floating around the room, and then it cuts to a static shot, and then it breaks the 180-degree rule, and he doesn't understand what that is. It's just of madness.
1: <laughs> ah, Matt, what about you and Georgie Boy on this one?
2: Very much the same. I just don't understand him because... He's directed Star Wars, and then he says, because of the pressure of that, he wanted to step back, not do the sequels, give them some of the directors, produce, write, and said, fine. I actually understand that, but I don't understand why he didn't then and just continue to direct smaller films without any mm. pressure, do more mm-hmm. like American Graffiti, do something experimental yeah. again, like THX, just small films where there'd be no pressure on them because they're not Star Wars. I mean, this is the guy who wanted to direct Apocalypse Now on 16mm. What happened to that guy who yeah. just wanted to yeah. experiment and do weird stuff? Because mm. then you get here, in the most anticipated film of all time, and yeah, you try to get other people in. But when that doesn't work out, he doesn't, like, look sideways. Oh, who could be different? Who could be interesting? He just goes, oh, go on, then I'll do it. You know you know what? I'll do all three. We'll be fine. I oh, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, George, you've not directed a foot of film in over 20 years. Do you not think that's going to be a problem? And he's just like, "That's nah, fine. It's like riding a yeah. bike, isn't it? Once you've done it, you you never forget. (laughs) And and this is what you end up with, a film directed by someone who hasn't done anything for over 20 years, and for me, it commits the worst crime, a film can do, and it's just be really, really boring. (laughs) Because I could forgive so much in this film if it was fun, but it's not, it's really Uh dull. I could forgive it being childish because, you know, he could say, well, look, the original trilogy, that was for one generation of children. This is for a different generation that would be fine but at least give the adults something to get involved with and like i know i get a lot of stick from from you guys cuz i love you know pixar films but they are great examples mm-hmm. how you make a kids film that an adult can still sit down and watch you know toy story is aimed at kids but show me a grown adult who can't sit down and enjoy that i mean it'll be luke obviously but yeah. apart <laughs> from luke every other <laughs> adult will still enjoy it yeah. but you don't get that with this and you know I'm, I'm very happy to say i still enjoy the force awakens because at least that's fun and it's mm. fast paced i mean yeah afterwards you can start to pull it apart and pick various bits of it to pieces of course you can but in the moment it's fun mm. phantom menace doesn't even have that the direction is just so dull and it's so slow and that torpedoes everything and and like you say john they're all good things in this film but yeah. they're all come and done because of luke's direction
1: Yeah. There's footage as well of when they had the first screening of the Phantom Menace, the first cut of it, and everyone's just like Yeah. What we're gonna do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How do we save this? (laughs) It's like disaster zone. I may have gone too far in a few places. Uh boggles the mind. So George look at the direction on the Phantom Menace then. I think pretty great by sounds of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Flawless. Absolutely flawless. Giving Spielberg a run for his money, yeah.
1: <laughs> George didn't just direct the Phantom Menace, he wrote the screenplay as well. His first screenplay great writing credit since Return of the Jedi. But it's still got it though, I think, right? The writing
2: on the Phantom Menace. How was it, Matt? Hmm. It's it's almost promising because the, there's the bare bones of an interesting <laughs> almost plot. almost promising. There.
3: It's almost <laughs> promising.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a damn refrain phrase but it is. It's just cuz there's the bare bones of a decent plot, there new characters, new planets, yeah. new aliens, new ships. Okay, this is different. This could work, but it just starts to fall apart quite quickly for me. And mm. I I just want to highlight two things that that stick out for me. The first one and I know this isn't original, everyone says it, but it does need repeating. Why is this film about the taxation of trade routes? And I know, I, yeah. H- who does he think that's appealing to? Because this film, <laughs> Don't and it's like the Star Wars logo, boom, the music, yes. He comes yeah. in open and crawl. And they are like, hold on, what? What's that? What? Yeah. A, a trade route taxation? <laughs> what? Are, are we in the right <laughs> film? Is, it, is this Austin Powers? Have we come to see Austin Powers by mistake? <laughs> just, and... <laughs> It just becomes so cringeworthy because Lucas continues to double down on that throughout all this talk of our trade franchises being revoked. Oh, the Senate's doing this, the Senate's doing that. It's like he said, they're going, yeah, here we go. He says, so for the grown-ups, this is what they're going to enjoy. Grown-ups like politics and, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll see that in a Star Wars film. Committees, (laughs) meetings. I don't want to see
0: a committee in a Star Wars (laughs) film.
2: All the political, I've seen all the presidents, man, this is good. And it just—it's so cringy. That—that's one bit that has, I mean, aged well. It continues to get worse, to be honest. And the second thing for me that goes wrong in the writing, it's focusing the prequel on this little kid, because that's Lucas essentially saying, "You see this little kid here? You know, blonde hair, blue eyes, cute as a button. I'm going to completely destroy his life over the next th- over the next three films. I'm going to put yeah. him through hell. Yeah. Have fun." Mm-hmm. I think that's such a misjudgment. It should be starting with Anakin as old as he is in Attack of the Clones, as you know, either an older teenager or or as a young adult, because that's easier to take. You don't Mm. need to see him as a little kid. It's not this grand tragedy that Lucas thinks it is. Seeing him so young and so you know cute and just a nice little kid, it's just mean, mean spirited. To be (laughs) honest, I think introducing him like that and then just destroying his life. So. There's lots of dislike about the writing. There is, like I say, the, the, the bare bones of the plot could have worked with a bit more like, attention to detail and really thinking things through and jettison a load of stuff about tax, but no, the writing, it falls apart pretty quickly, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: I think if we were to write down, and this goes for the prequels as a whole, not just the Phantom Menace, I think if we were to write down as a very short treatment the narrative and describe what happens, mm-hmm. we'd probably go, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I mean, yeah, the spine yeah. of the story is basically the fall of Anakin from jedi knight to darth vader and going on around that is the fall of the republic and the rise of the empire like how fascism can take over a society so there's potential there for some depth as well i mean that in totally. the star wars idea could be fantastic the problem with the writing yep. is everything from that point on basically yep. taking that idea and turning it into a screenplay is so bad the characters first of all i mean in a story Characters' personalities are meant to drive the story through the decisions they make. Character is story, story is character, so they say. So you mentioned it before, Westy. In this, who is the main character in The Phantom Menace?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: I mean, Anakin has an arc, sort of, but he doesn't come into the film until 45 minutes in and he makes no decisions, mm-hmm. so it can't be him. Qui-Gon makes the decisions, but he dies at the end and he has no arc obi-wan is just there in the background it doesn't do anything until the final five minutes so there is no main character there's no protagonist which is such a basic error from someone as well who was very big on protagonists in the first star wars film it's so bizarre lucas has a story and then just has the characters behave however i need them to in order to progress that plot so there are no characters they're all just plot devices he's forgotten how to tell a story i think And then, I mean, the plot holes, we could do an entire video just about the plot holes and the Phantom Menace. The whole Trade Federation and the Emperor's Scheme thing, that's like Swiss cheese in terms of the plot holes for picking it apart. But there's one moment which bothered me when I first saw it, and it still bothers me now. You made an allusion to it before, Westy. But in the first act on the Trade Federation ship, Qui-Gon and Uh Obi-Wan are attacked by battle droids. And they end up making their right. escape by running off down the corridor <laughs> super fast. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. gone in yeah. seconds. Yeah. So we're yeah. like, all yeah. oh, right, Jedi can do that now. That's new. <laughs> cool. I mean, you, you've <laughs> yeah. set it up early on. Great. Then in the final act... I'm just
0: like jumping down, when they're jumping down into the where the, the ships are all based, massive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You see them in a, in a wide shot and they're just jumping and you say, like, oh, they can do anything. Yeah,
1: great. And it's, that's all the first act, yeah. so I buy it, fine. But then the final act, yeah. quite gon and Obi-Wan, a lightsaber fighting Darth Maul, they get separated <laughs> yeah. and obi is running yeah. to catch up. A life and death situation and he's just running like a normal guy. Did Lucas yeah. Yeah. forget that he told us Obi-Wan could run really fast? <laughs> It's like yeah. that check after he's just jumped
0: up as well, about
1: yeah. 300 feet. Yeah. I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like that check gun, Madden. one of the most basic writing principles where uh, yeah. you hang a gun on the wall in the first act, you've got to make sure someone fires it in the third act. Here, yeah. Lucas hangs yeah. like a blunderbuss on the wall in the first act <laughs> and then puts Obi Wan in a situation where the very thing that he needs is a blunderbuss, but the blunderbuss never yeah. even gets mentioned it would have been great as well if Obi-Wan had jumped up and then like took off towards them super fast would have been like oh yeah I forgot he could do that that's really yeah. good but the only reason not to do it is that Lucas completely forgot that he told us about it and that lack of attention to basic writing is all the way through the film I mean I wonder if Obi-Wan woke up in a cold sweat that night and he was like shit I should have ran really fast
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's dead now it's, my fault. <laughs> it's all my fault <laughs> <laughs> so I think, there's, I think there's a good story here from a high level But George, why didn't you get somebody else to write the screenplay? Yeah. Crazy. And Westy, what about you and the writing of The Phantom Menace?
0: The only thing worse than the direction of The Phantom Menace (laughs) is the writing of The Phantom Menace. (laughs) (laughs) Did he write this in in crayon? (laughs) 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 Just sprawl it on his wall? It's just like you said, there's no arcs, there's no main character. The dialogue is just unbearable at times. Mm. When they're trying to sit round at like the start of the film, and they're talking about, you know, a lack of communication could only mean one thing: invasion. Well, I, did, I think it, might be more, <laughs> yeah. it could be more wrong because your signal's just gone yeah. down. <laughs> it's just so... It's your just Wi-Fi's so, gone bad. out, that's all. Yeah, yeah that's, it. <laughs> uh, that, that's it. It's invasion. <laughs> but, well, all right, mate, are you're jumping you're to conclusions. A bit there. Well, calm down. Check the signal first. Someone might have just put in, knocked the plug out or something. But just, it's just absolutely ridiculous negotiations. We've got no communications. It's just, that, why have a line in there that rhymes like that? It's just impossible yeah. to listen to and impossible to say. <laughs> and it's just flitting around the room and he's trying to give some seriousness and some depth to some of the characters and then George Jar Binks is introduced and you just that dialogue is just so bad. Excuse me. Everything he says is so bad. The choices he makes oh. for the for the actors and for some of the extras in there, for that thing when they go under the water and he's just like... Oh, like yeah. that for ages. Yeah. Oh.
1: yeah, it's horrendous. Get out of my face, man. <laughs> Absolutely rubbish.
0: Like, How did I put up with this? Is <laughs> that Brian Blessed?
1: Yeah. boss. Yeah, yeah. just
0: like... But it's just way over the top and it just doesn't work. And it's just, you know, Terrence Stamps in there. Yeah. You forget about that. And he he was looking forward to acting with Natalie Portman in the scene. And she wasn't on set that day. And George <laughs> Lucas said, I'll oh, just act against this and put a bit of paper in front of him with these lines <laughs> on it. And he just had, that was his direction. That was his writing. Yeah. That sums up George Luka. It's just a stick with an A4 bit of paper <laughs> on it and crayon <laughs> sprawled across Terrence Stamps. It's Terrence Stamps. Yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, oh, he turned down roles in the other two films because he said it was just an impossible way to, to act. It was right. just so boring. Yeah. It just wasn't very good. But, there's nothing I can say that you guys haven't already said. It's just a very messy, very muddy, very confused film. And I don't understand how anyone in the right mind would could have read this and just went, George, this is a bit shit, mate. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm, Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's what I mean. That's that's it. Even, even his kids could have said it. His wife <laughs> could have said it. He's fed, he's not, not even people who are scared of him could have just been like... Mate, I don't think this is going to be very good. Like, You've got the whole <laughs> history of Star Wars here. You've got Anakin's arc where he's, he's a kid and then he becomes Darth Vader. Just stop a second and think about what you can do yeah, here. I know. There's a wealth of novels and comics yeah, exactly. that have happened since Return of the Jedi that he can go to and he can look into mm. and say, right, where's the, where are other people taking the, the universe? What are the fans interested in? What can I do? How can I tap into that? And make something Absolutely. incredibly deep. Mm. But he didn't. Yeah. He just went. Oh, there he is. There he's in a pod race. Oh, not good. Yeah. He's got the. Oh, that's fine. Okay, great. Cut. Yeah. You know, it took two years to edit this fucking thing.
3: I'm not surprised.
0: <laughs> I th- God, I'm just getting more and more furious <laughs> as I talk about it.
1: Anger leads to hate. Westy. So you need to hate leads to suffering. So you need to calm down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what. That's the point. Why have suffered for so long? <laughs>
1: I think the the, that's the worst thing for me it's it's the missed opportunity. Like you said there, the opportunity here for a story could have. Been was massive. You could have told a great story here, but yeah, it's just such a missed opportunity. Yeah.
0: It's just so it's just so childish. Twenty thousand Medichlorian count. No Jedi's got anything like that. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, 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 what about his father? There wasn't one. He just you know a virgin yeah. birth. Oh, oh sound eye. Yeah. Yeah. Where is that from? Yeah. What's the matter with him? Yeah. Who's reading that gun? That's 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 fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Bible. Yeah, just use that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that's par- original, parallel we'll to Jesus. What? <laughs> yeah what was Jesus Medichlorian <laughs> 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 I, was, I was quite good, talking into a, a Gillette Sensor oh, XL razor, <laughs> <laughs> razor for women a razor for the bath oh that's, that's a, what's the budget I don't know to pay a few hundred million get some Gillette razors in there for the communicator Fucking hell, oh, man <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then shoot a close up of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Some of the ideas in this, though, you can tell, like, he thought of the poster fit. Because yeah, that poster's amazing, the one at Anakin in the Oh, yeah, the, 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 the yeah, shadow. Yeah. The shadow was fit. You can tell he thought of that and went, yeah, that'll be the film. Without thinking, yeah. of, do you not want to maybe see if that works as an idea? I mean, fair enough, it's a cool poster, but
0: do you really want it? <laughs> yeah, that's a cool. I no, no, I we'll, it for we'll one shot from the poster. Yeah. yeah. Sums it up. Yeah. You,
3: need more, yeah, you need more than one shot in a film. Yeah. This episode of All The Right Movies is sponsored by the Speakeasy Noircast. Join hosts Jason and Carly as they get lost in their love of noir movies and bring you the scandalous behind-the-scenes stories on classics like The 39 Steps, Dial M for Murder and Touch of Evil. Their most recent episode is on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so what's not to love there? The easy banter and great on-set stories are all washed down with a brand-new delicious alcoholic-based drink recipe for each new episode. If you like your femme fatales and your laconic leading men, the Speakeasy Noir cast is the one for you. New episodes drop regularly and you can listen to them in all the usual podcast places including Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and at resurrectionfilms.co.uk. The link for the site is in the description for this podcast. Thank you to the Speakeasy Noir cast for sponsoring this episode of All The Right Movies. This episode of All The Right Movies is also sponsored by the Mixtape Podcast. Join old friends Jason, Casey, Masterpiece Matt, Stewie D, Noah Body and Spanky as they discuss their love for nostalgic popular culture and its relevance today. There's a lot of ridiculous but fun behaviour on the show as the guys talk about movies, music and everything else from the 80s and 90s. Sprinkle some great interviews into the mix and you've got yourself one hell of a fun show with new episodes dropping all the time. Catch them wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the big boys, and their website, themixtapepod.com. The link for the site is in the description for this show. Thanks to the Mixtape Podcast for sponsoring this episode of ATRM. And finally, it's over to the guys at Stories, the True and the Fictional, to tell you about their podcast. Hello, my name is Jamie. My name is Ryan. And we have a podcast called Stories, the True and the Fictional. We talk about stories in the movies, stories in books, stories from history, and stories from crazy Joe down the street. But we also talk to the storytellers, the authors, the filmmakers, everyday folk with a story to tell. If this sounds like your kind of thing, then check out Stories, the True and the Fictional on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Spotify.
1: The Phantom Menace cast was a mix of established stars and unknown newcomers. A pretty big cast, so we're going to talk about some of our favourites
0: now. Westy, what about you? Who do you want to go for in the yep. cast? I'm going to go for Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon, right. because I think he he's far and away the best performance in the Easily. film. That's not hard. <laughs> That's not hard, but he is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he looks like he's genuinely enjoying yeah. himself, Neeson. He's, he's genuinely having mm-hmm. a good time. I think he's quite happy to be there. I think he gets on with Lucas and Spielberg and knows him really well. He's just having a bit of fun. I think he's just not taking it too seriously and he gives some real weight to the dialogue that he's got. He doesn't make it as half as hammy as McGregor does Mm. and he just, you know, he does nail that. He nails the physicality. I love seeing him do the lightsaber fights. That one with Darth Maul on Tatooine is fantastic. Um, I think he's just really good. Like When he goes back on the ship and he's just, you know, introduces Anakin to Obi-Wan, I think that's a really lovely moment. There's some really nice moments in that that he kind of really sells. Um, and he does that. I mean, who else could do that? Like I said, that metachlorine count, and I'm sending you a blood sample, <laughs> and I just like he has that real ponderant, I don't know. And you kind of want to watch, and you go, all right, I shouldn't have believed that, but I kind of do because it's Liam Neeson. But I read somewhere that they were building the sets and they only built them to head height. So then they filled the rest in with computer oh, yeah. graphics. But Liam Neeson was so tall they had to rebuild them, and it cost 150 grand just because he was a bit really tall <laughs> How tall is Liam Neeson? <laughs> 150. You know, his eyes about six oh, seven or something. Wow, his eyes right. massive. Right? <laughs> really tall to so that. Like rebuild the, the sets for it, which, which was great. But you know the the feeling I get. I watched this again with um with my son, and he absolutely loved oh, it. Great. And I thought, well, that, you know, that's that's who it's for. But he's five right. years old, <laughs> right. so that's fine. And it's just very flashy and very visual, and he kind of loved it, and he thought it was great. And I think Neeson looks great, in it, and he really liked him. And he said that, that was his favourite character. The, nope. the green lightsaber one was his favourite character. And I was like, well, that's obvious. <laughs> but it feels to me like, you know when you were at school and you had a game of football? And the PE teacher joined in. <laughs> and he was just having fun and he was just, pissed, like, just pissing around and knocking goals in left, right, and center. And everyone else was like chasing him because of a crap. That's Lee Neeson in the fun
3: minutes.
1: <laughs> well, hey, Brian Glover and Kez. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly like that. Like, yeah, yeah. like somebody's dad joining in.
1: To take the I kids. do know as well that uh, Neeson was so eager to be in the film that he said he signed on with. Out reading the script i mean add, okay add, yeah add your own punchline <laughs> yeah. there to be fun yeah, exactly. <laughs> well yeah. yeah i agree liam leeson is easily the best performance in the film for me as well but i'm going to talk about the biggest personality vacuum in the film obi-wan kenobi <laughs> i mean already yeah. iconic mm-hmm. from the trilogy the original trilogy in terms of a character i was excited to say young obi-wan in there especially played by you, mcgregor who i liked but this character what's the point what's the point in this character in this film does nothing of note until the final five minutes spends half of it sitting on that spaceship in the desert and he's always in the background in almost every shot just always there loads of scenes where he's like a set dressing i mean you talked about qui-gon there west and in terms of this film qui-gon and obi-wan should have been one character for me called obi-wan kenobi he finds anakin he takes in the jedi council Instead, just sitting on a spaceship. If anyone should have been the main character, it maybe it should have been Obi-Wan in this film. But then, no, just sitting on a spaceship and then waiting until the final five minutes. I think
0: that was- yeah, I think that was the original draft, and then he brought in the, the character Qui Gon Jin later. It was supposed really to be really? one, right? Right. Um, that was the that the original draft was. That was how it was. It went through a, few, a fair few rewrites, but yeah, you're right. When he's fighting um, Darth Maul in the desert, and they come in, they're like Qui Gon's in trouble, and all he does is like, oh,
1: yeah, take off. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, I don't don't fancy this much. That's, <laughs> he looks pretty good. Yeah, just take off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you know that when he got the part, though, he'd been partying with... Of um, course I Gallagher. did. Of course oh, I nice. knew that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the day after, they had like, a, a lightsaber fight yeah, was back yeah. garden because we've got to get a couple of yeah. toy lightsabers. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> cool. But yeah, pointless studying uh, any Alec Gillis films, films before this <laughs> to get his dialect right and his walk right. Too much. But <laughs> he <laughs> <laughs> didn't. Too much. Method for the Phantom Menace.
1: And Matt, what about you in the cast?
2: Well... I'm going to talk about Jake Lloyd, right? But I'm not going to sit here as a 42-year-old man and go piling in on a 10-year-old. <laughs> Please don't. <and laughs> <snuggle the two laughs> no, no, I'm not. Wouldn't it, mate? I think he's if, good, if, not. if that's what people want from this, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go there because you know Jake Lloyd got enough harassment and bullying because of this film. He got it from school. He got it from the press, and by all counts, even now, he doesn't have the happiest of personal life. So you mm. know, it, it's not going to be a big rant for me about him because I think. There's a lot of people need to have a bit of a long, hard look at themselves in their treatment of Jim Boyd oh, yeah? just because of this film. Yeah, but I agree. The, yeah. A lot of entitled people just taking mm. it out on him because it wasn't what they wanted. So, Pathetic. Is the performance, is is it what the film needs? I don't think so, honestly. I think it needs someone like Haley Joel Osmond in there, someone who clearly had a real talent as a young actor and who could give the role the depth and the emotion that it needed. I don't think that's Jake Lloyd. I've seen worse child performances. Yeah. I'll say mm. that for him. I don't think he's as bad oh, yeah. as people make out. There's much Especially with this dialogue. Yeah. There's things he's got to well, say yeah. and do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Not, well, that's the thing, isn't it? None of this is his fault. I mean, he's 10 years old. Who wouldn't want to be in a Star Wars film at 10 years exactly. old? Exactly. You know. And I, I think if anyone needs criticising here, it's Lucas again, because it's his choice to take the most iconic villain in cinema history and put it all on the shoulders of a 10-year-old kid. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like said in the right. I think that's a, just a plain story misjudgment. And it was his choice to cast Lloyd. And the thing about Lucas, he's renowned as being one of the worst directors of actors Hollywood has ever known. Yeah. You know, everyone complains about the direction he gives actors. He can't mm-hmm. do it. So why on earth does he want to make this little kid one of the central figures of this film? And there's um, there's this really interesting behind-the-scenes clip, I don't know if you've seen, where it's where he's at home and he's, he's first met Qui John. And Jake Light is messing around because he doesn't know what to do and he's getting fretful and annoyed. And Liam Neeson is sitting there with him. And you can tell Liam Neeson's getting really annoyed because his kid's acting up. And I was just thinking, that's where the director needs to Mm. step in. Right. To to tell this kid what to do. This is what you need to do. Stop annoying the, the adult actors, which is what is happening with Liam Neeson. But Lucas doesn't do that. He just puts the whole film on his shoulders and thinks he can take it so when it comes to Jake Lloyd I wish him nothing but the best I hope he, he, he finds peace and happiness in his life and he gets a better place because none of this is his fault for me it's not
1: I mean people say Anakin's annoying and this and that I don't really find him annoying mm. that much the problem for me is that I just don't mm. buy at all that this kid grows up to be Darth Vader to be honest, because there's no science. He's like a happy little boy, even though he's a slave. So it's all at odds with each other. And you're right, Lucas does have a reputation for not being good with direction and directing actors. He got away with that on Star Wars, I think, but it catches up with him here. And no more so than I think with Jake Lloyd. I think it is. He's got some terrible lines. And the way he's been clearly told to say those lines is the problem. Like, are you an angel? You can tell he's been told to say it like that. He must have been. And there is behind-the-scenes footage as well that you can see of the other three kids who were in for the running of Anakin, and Jake Lloyd is easily the All best right. actor of the four of them.
3: Are you an angel? What? An angel. I've heard the deep space pilots talk about them.
1: To be honest. So right, I yeah, think a okay. lot of it probably yeah. does sit with Lucas rather than Jake Lloyd, and blaming him for it is just ridiculous. Mm. He was doing what he was told.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, Darth Vader is one of the baddest villains in cinema yeah. history, like... He's terrifying. And then you to put to make that kid that persona. It's like putting a ten year old kid in a film and going, Oh, that's yeah, 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 gonna <laughs> yeah. be like, Oh, all oh, right, I don't <laughs> like it. Then. It's yeah. just a negative connotation straight yeah. away. And yeah. you're right, making him so sickly sweet and sherbety, and then saying bye to his mom and I will come back for you and don't look back. That sounds yeah. amazing. And she's just like just just don't look back. Don't look Mm -hmm. back. It's genuinely like, wow, that's Mm -hmm. that's fantastic, and he's great in that scene. Mm -hmm. But then you go, Oh, actually, he's Darth Vader, so you kind of feel any sympathy Mm -hmm. for the character because you know where he ends up, and it's just a massive misstep.
1: Well, somebody we haven't talked about there is George binks the bumbling gungan. Probably the most divisive Star Wars character ever. Took a lot of the blame for the slamming the film received back in ninety nine. So now what do we think of him looking back at it? Matt?
2: Well, I think Simon Pegg put it perfectly in space, didn't he?
1: Jar Jar Binks makes the Ewoks look like fucking Shaft.
3: (laughs) 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 That is still so true. Um,
2: Again, let's not criticise the actor Mm Armand Best again, somebody who got a lot of crap after this film and probably did regret taking the role. Not his fault, because Jar Jar, he's just the perfect summation of everything that's wrong with this film. He looks wrong. He sounds wrong. He acts wrong. And in a film that is full of misjudgments, his character is the worst because, like I say, it's fine for Lucas to want to aim this film at a younger audience, but Jar Jar is like Teletubby's level of childishness. And I can still vividly remember just that feeling of being aghast watching him, like, really? Is, Is this really happening? Is this yeah. what this character is? <laughs> Am I going to spend the whole film with with this character? <laughs> oh my God, what's going on? i Am I losing my mind? Of like, <laughs> all the decisions, how did this one get to every <laughs> stage? I don't understand. But... What's really fascinating though, I think it's the only time you'll ever see George Lucas realise he's made a terrible yeah. mistake because it's really striking how much screen time he has here and then how drastically oh. little he has in Attack of the Clones. And then, I mean, I've not seen for a while, but I think Revenge of the Sith, he, you literally see him in one scene with the funeral at the end. I don't think he has a line of dialogue. So even Lucas realised, I made a mistake mm, there, yeah. didn't I, with uh, this George Jar, Jar, like he's, he's not funny. Because <laughs> he's the thing about George Lucas, if all the things he can't do... He can't do comic book Not at all. Like Lucas, Lucas's idea was <laughs> funny. is a whoopee cushion. He can't, he can't write jokes. He can't write witty dialogue. He can't write clever slapstick. <laughs> yeah, Jar Jar is just a whoopee cushion as a character, and that's Lucas's idea of comedy. Yeah,
1: I mean Jar Jar iconic for all the wrong reasons. And again, you're right. The problem certainly isn't Ahmed Best who plays him in terms of delivering yeah. what Lucas wants. Yeah. I think he's probably very good. Jar Jar is just a bad idea or rather the execution is really bad he's meant to be funny and he's not also the first time i watched this film i had no idea what Or was saying no idea misa and Wisa and Yusa, with no explanation of it i didn't know what was going on and then his whole story with the gungans at the end the comedy battle scene that just ruins the fine act for me and westy what about you
0: yeah i mean i've just got nothing else to add i just think he's absolutely dreadful character he shouldn't be there and i wish he wasn't there and <laughs> i wish it didn't exist but i did see on the empire podcast that imagine hearing Frank Oz do the yoda voice for the first time <laughs> uh, and Kirshner being like oh yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. really good yeah. now imagine this bink's voice for <laughs> yeah, the first yeah, time yeah, yeah. imagine <laughs> having to animate this
3: fucking <laughs> thing Wazy
0: imagine being there, listening to this line after line after line and animating it for two years and then going actually no at some point people didn't just go you know we've done one scene with him George and it just honestly mate this is this is going to be absolute dog shit no 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 no, no. keep going keep going he's, yeah. in, he's in loads more you've got your work cut out there's more of this like yeah 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 he doesn't die what, what are you going to do with the character What he's art well he starts off as a bumbling moron stays as a bumbling moron gets more and more progressively annoying then we'll put him in charge of all the gungans Ridiculous. and turn them into fucking William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> what on earth is going on? <laughs> Standing there, just wait, settle, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. You just commanding yeah. the full army. <laughs> Who's listening to this fucking guy? <laughs> <laughs> in charge? <laughs> when did that happen oh he'll do he's spinning that ball around and he smacks him in the face it's just like you can't even just do that bit yeah. seriously you know when them battle it's droids come out But so that is really yeah. cool but it's cool when they come out and they're all like hunched up and then they release them from that kind of thing and it's like yeah and then they start walking towards and like my son was watching it was like wow and then i was like well you know them big dunes they're completely pointless because they'll just walk straight yeah. through them and then jar jar's in charge people's falling off stuff and bumbling around it's it's just absolutely such a misstep. Yeah, it it's is. just like, yeah, it's like he, he must have been, Lucas must have been like life on the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> David Brent and the band, just like <laughs> writing the songs, and everyone's like, yeah,
3: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that works. Fantastic. Yeah, how much you're paying is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, general consensus
1: on the cast, then, not great, but it's not their fault.
3: No, it's
1: really? my <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the original Star Wars trilogy was hugely cinematic with groundbreaking visual effects, of course. So, that's no doubt something George wanted to carry on here. The DP was David Tatsall, and the visual effects were provided by ILM, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, how does the yeah. Phantom Menace mm-hmm. look,
0: Westy? Uh. I mean I don't <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas is, is quoted as saying some of this was shot 35 mm and some of this was shot digital and I dare anyone to find out which of the shots were shot right. digital in there. But no one cares. No cares. <laughs> <laughs> cares. You know it's it, it Tatasol has got a lot to do, to be fair. He's got to make this he's got three Star Wars films to reference and if you look at Empire, is it got that kind of tone? You look at Return of the mm. Jedi, is it mm. more like that? Or you look at the original gritty Star Wars, is it more like this? And it's like none of them. It's got a look all of its own, which could have been a good thing, but I honestly don't think it is. To me, it's just too colourful. It hasn't got any of that Star Wars grit mm. or texture that we've seen before. Mm. Even Return of the Jedi has got some of that. I know it's based before that, so it's more of a, you know, a cleaner kind of galaxy, yeah. as it were. It's not as yeah. run down, you know. The Senate's still there and the Empire haven't risen yet and all that kind of thing. But still, I mean, Tatooine's Tatooine. It still doesn't look the same. It doesn't have the same kind of vibe. It's just over lit. The camera moves are just so confused. But again, it's all just being like, yeah, okay, George, you want it to go left to right and then right to left and it's not going to yeah. match. But I'll oh, do it. Oh, fine. Yeah, okay. Um, there's some great shots in the film. There's some that I really, really enjoy. but they're all in the trailer, so just watch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just, it's pre- that's pretty much it. every other thing I mean it's just if you watch it from a cinematography point of view it just to me it looks too digital it looks too clean and it actually just looks really colourful and almost laminated and that type of look to a film is something I just really can't get away with. I need shadows and I need texture and I need sophisticated, well, not sophisticated camera moves, but at least <laughs> thought about, um, you know, why it's moving. There's just a lot here. And you know, when qui gets stabbed by yeah. Darth Maul, why is it such yeah. a high angle, like a security camera? What's the matter with that? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, you, it, it is. Yeah. There's, this, there's a million ways you could shoot that death. And he's like, oh, well, let's just put the audience right out the way as if they're observing something that they've got absolutely nothing yeah. to do with. And it's, yeah. it's, it's choices like that that just really wind me up. Well, that happens to pocket. me with the
1: first lightsaber fight on Tatooine when he jumps on the ship. It's shot at such a distance that I yeah. don't feel part of it. I feel like I haven't seen a lightsaber fight with, with that first one. It's weird.
0: The first one, if mm. you watch, the, there's a, the wide shot that tracks them, and you them all the dusts kicking up, and that yeah. looks brilliant. And they've got them both framed, and that's great. And then it goes so close after that, you, can't you don't see, see anything here. really. It's just you just see you just see yeah. robes and you know and sabers coming around and and that type of thing. But I mean. It it's it, it, some some shots you like yeah that's good but it, it's just you know it's just cinema by numbers you know if you've got enough money you can make anything look like this I think it's fairly straightforward and I think a lot of it was just to do with the CGI mm. I think the actual you know the 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 physical kind of work in in camera kind of work was secondary to this scope that Lucas wanted to create and it, to me it just looks like you know the cutscenes of a computer game most of the day There are
1: some great shots i think there's two of darth Maul that always stand out to me the one towards the end maybe the most famous shot in the film where the door opens and he's standing there i think that's a great shot yeah and earlier out in, in the trailer yeah and earlier that fight yeah. with Qui Gon on tatooine that low angle shot behind him when the he watches the ship fly away i think that's a really good shot Oh, and
0: he just yeah put put his lightsaber and that's also yeah. in the trailer <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> told you all the good ones in the
1: trailer
0: <laughs> uh, It's the best two minutes full of I've ever seen
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) And Matt, what about you and the visuals?
2: Well, I think if we talk about ILM, I think for once it's something I feel we can be really positive about. Because I think what ILM did here is pretty groundbreaking. And I think that should be acknowledged. The amount of CGI creations, whole worlds, fast armies fleets of ships all that's really impressive yeah, it I don't still, know the looks scale. Good. still looks it does, good the, the scale yeah, works
0: uh, but i think that's, the, the, that's the main thing that they were concentrating on and you can see that yeah. even like dialogue yeah, yeah. story characters is all secondary yeah. to this and this is the bit that yeah. shines really yeah
2: yeah it is because that's a bit that still holds up the best and i think if you don't have the Phantom menace to be honest you don't have the battle of Helm Steep and lord of the rings nope. you don't have the any final marvel Batman film in adventures Endgame*. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah any <laughs> marvel film I mean, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but if you don't have Jar Jar, you don't have Gollum, really, I think. You know, this did
0: pave the way. Oh, it came a, first. That's a push. Do you think, do you think <laughs> I'm pushing it too far <laughs> I think then? you're pushing it too far. Right, you're trying oh, to yeah, find praise enough. where it's not <laughs> welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Fair enough. Maybe not then. But I, I think I, I can only push that praise so far, though, because precisely because this was the first... In a lot of ways, it hasn't aged too well. And looking at it now, there's a lot of it, it feels very weightless. Everything is very thin. Everything's very synthetic. So, for example, when you have ships crashing to the ground on, onto Naboo and the yeah. droid armies come marching out, it does look good, but there's no real sense of, like, the earth shaking underneath mm. your feet because all these ships are crashing down and the army's that big. Yeah. When things explode, there's no real sense of, like, heft or movement the spaceships don't really have any sense of speed whatsoever, so, and, and this might be just nostalgia speaking, to but I do think the original trilogy effects have aged better than these in any yeah. kind of way yeah. so, like I say, I think we should give ILM credit because it was groundbreaking and on a scale we'd never seen before, and a lot of films that have come after it, you know, owe, owe a big debt to it, but I think possibly because it was the first I think it was just too much too soon yeah I mean as
1: always ILM deliver
2: outstanding groundbreaking effects I think what works well
1: mm. here in the Phantom Menace is that there's, there's more of a blend of practical effects in CGI than in the other two prequels in those two George went completely crazy and there's way too much CGI in there for yeah. me it's like computer games at some yeah. points mm. here though it doesn't always look yeah. real Jar Jar doesn't look always real but the fact that he's a CGI character in a real place in a real forest on a real set i buy it more much more than i do in the prequels so i'm fine with it even though he doesn't always look real and he was the first fully cgi character so there was groundbreaking stuff going on and yeah i mean ilm fantastic as always it's one of the few things that you can't pick fault with i think yeah agreed so in terms of the look of the film then cinematography visual effects design work some of it actually really good yeah Mm -hmm. yeah We've been a bit critical of, well, most of the film, really, but what about what we do <laughs> yeah. like? What's yeah. our highlight moments from The Phantom Menace? Matt, what's your, what's your favourite part?
2: Mm. I'm going for, and I don't mean this as like a backhanded of comment, but it's, it's when the film did <laughs> finished. finish. Um, I do like, and it surprised me how well this scene worked. Quiet John's funeral, I thought that was a very good scene. Actually, yeah. I thought mm-hmm. it was well lit, it's very nicely shot and it's one of the few scenes in the film that fits into the whole saga because it's got some nice foreshadowing going on. And I think there's aspects that only make sense once you've seen the rest of the prequel trilogy. So it's one of the few scenes we think he's actually thought about how this fits into the, hmm. the whole saga yeah. as a whole. Because yeah, it feels like someone else got, has directed this. scene. It does scene, stand out. It, does, it yes. does, to be fair, like, yeah. yeah. Because you've got Anakin watching a burning body while Palpatine looks on. The yeah. music playing over this scene is the same music that gets played when he goes into the Vader suit, right? Ends of the Sith. Yeah. So it, it, it's actually done with some proper thought, and <laughs> like, this will link into something further down the line. And, and for me, one of the best things about the film and, and the prequel trilogy in general is Ian McDermott. I think he's always excellent in yeah. all three of those films. Yeah. And his presence here, just looking on that expression on his face, knowing what's to come, that's really effective. It's really creepy, isn't it? And I also do like, he's really creepy. And the other bit I like is you get that little snippet of dialogue between Anakin and Obi-Wan just saying, you know, what's going to happen now. And the dialogue itself isn't anything special, but you just get that feeling, ah, everything's been set in motion now that we know in New Hope. And it just clicks. It just feels Mm -hmm. right for the first time. So, I mean, I could do without... Yoda in Mace Windu, just because when order says there's always two, the Master and the Apprentice, Windu says, but which was destroyed? The master or mm. the apprentice. I think you don't need the yeah. second bit. You know, that's like over oh, egg and the We yeah. understand that. Yeah. Just say which was destroyed. That's much more ominous. <laughs> don't like explain yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that bit I don't like. But in general, I think the scene really works. And actually, I think this is where the film should end. Like that slow pan across the Palpatine. Boom, there's mm-hmm. Phantom Menace, straight yeah. under the credits. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right.
1: I think this scene is the one that feels the most like Star Wars in terms of the original trilogy. It feels like you're in the same world, yeah. probably the first mm-hmm. time. It's it quite was, a good yeah. story as yeah. well around Qui-Gon's yeah. death, where, again, this is indicative of the general lack of thinking things through on the film. The soundtrack for The Phantom Menace was released a few weeks before the film came out. And on the soundtrack, track 14 is called The Appearance of Darth Maul. Track 15 is Qui-Gon's Noble End, and track 16, Qui-Gon's Funeral. (laughs) So, all right, you just told us what happens at the end of the film then, and just changed the titles, surely. But that's just indicative of all of it. That came out before the film. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the highlight for me, I'm going to talk about the pod race, the kind of Star Wars version of a 50s drag race, basically. Before I do, though, I've got another question for you so just before the pod race yeah. Qui-Gon makes a bet with Watto to get Anakin released can somebody anybody please explain that bet to me it's the most complicated bet I've ever heard in my life yeah. <laughs> it boxes me brain <laughs> listening to that bet yeah. if he loses
0: you can get the ship if he wins we get the ship and you like, you're going to win either way
1: there's about four different oh, bets going yeah, on yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> And power. <laughs> but the pod race i think the pod race is brilliant to be honest the cgi that still looks great now i think the sound design is excellent on it yeah. as well it has a story the pod race where saboba's yeah. the bad guy i like saboba and anakin has to overcome some problems along the way and the pacing of it i think it's a pretty perfectly made action sequence And all was actually storyboarded not by lucas but by ben burt the sound designer so that's So that's probably why it works so well. Then the ILM obviously played a big part in it as well, I would imagine. I think...
0: Ben Burt's a better (laughs) director than George (laughs) Lucas. I think
1: it would have worked far better as an opening sequence because it seems a bit trivial for the big midpoint set piece at Podrace, but it's a fantastic action sequence. I think it's really impressive how it's held up as well. It looks really, really good.
0: Yeah it does look good but it's it's too long long. like 10 minutes a bit too long it's a bit too long and you'd kind of lose you lose it a little bit there's just a little bit too much thrown into it you can see they've got like the lightsaber fight they've got the pod race they've got the big mm. set pieces and everything else around that's just fat, really yeah yeah (laughs) but this is just a bit the touch too long
1: what's your favorite then westy what's your favorite part of the film
0: well i just mentioned it there it's got to be that duel at the end between Mm. Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul, that appearance when he's just there and then we'll handle this. That's the best line in the game. Hands down, far and away, right, we are Jedi, we'll Mm. handle this. And you're like, that's what you want them to say. That makes perfect. There's no, like, he's a Sith over there. (laughs) Me and Obi-Wan are going to handle this now. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is normally how we would write the dialogue. So he's just we'll handle it. Good, right, let's see what they can do. And then when it it kicks in, the choreography is just fantastic. I think Ray Park is just amazing. And I know when they had the original... Double-sided lightsaber, which came from the nineteen ninety-six comic book series *Tales of the Jedi Sith War*, so it came out in ninety-six. So I borrowed that from that. So why not borrow storylines and character arcs and all this <laughs> stuff instead of, you know, a cool lightsaber? But when they built the original one, it had, it had the same hilt as a normal single-bladed lightsaber. And then Ray Park got it and said, that's not going to work. He's probably the only person who said anything to George Lucas and said, it's not going to work, and it got changed. And then it came back with that longer version with the, the two sides just so he could spin it around and make sure that the blades would miss him when he was spinning. But it's you, uh love it. I think it's a wonderful... Piece of of action cinema. I think it's great. I mm-hmm. think there's some decisions that are just a bit mental. That you watch it that many times. I mean, like, my me son absolutely yeah. loves it. He just watched that oh, over and I did over as well, over again. Yeah. When Darth Maul uses the force, oh the door the bench, coolest thing it's ever. It's just, <laughs> it's just really badass. And you just say, like, right, well, you know, th- there could be some really interesting. What powers do the Jedi have? We've seen them run fast. We've seen them jump high. We've seen them use force pushes, and it doesn't really come across like that. It could have been like the high speed thing, could have been Obi Wan. I mean imagine him just gearing up to do it and run super fast and then it goes at like slow motion and you know he's running yeah. fast. But Darth Maul can counteract that with the force and he holds him back while he kills Qui-Gon. No, I mean, that would be amazing, yeah. massive. <laughs> and just been like well so you counteract it because Obi-Wan's an apprentice and this guy's a master Sith and he's just like he gets them at every turn. Qui-gon gets stabbed but then he could fight on. It could have real emotion yeah. in that. And he's not supposed to, Why does he kill Darth Maul? Ridiculous. Why? He's one of yeah. the coolest <laughs> yeah. characters that yeah. I've seen. And it's just stupidity. He could have set that up for so much more. There could have been loads of them that could all have looked like yeah. that. Not just one yeah. of them, but there could have been like three or four of them, like different colours. Would have been yeah, would excellent. Have been. But it's just so many good ideas that he just doesn't, you know, doesn't execute very well. But this, I think he really does. Oh, there's that bit when the first run in and Darth is just standing on that ledge and they're just like... They're look I mean, Just a backflip yeah. over. And then they jump yeah. over as well. But they could just walk around if you watch it. It's <laughs> a little, you just walk around. <laughs> Doesn't need to do a backflip over there. And it's just things like that where you're just kind of like, you know, I love the, the Obi-Wan using the force to get his lightsaber back when he's hanging. Yeah. And, you know, that like kind of sweeping. And, and that's really, really good. There's some really excellent bits in it. And to me, this lightsaber fight, where it is you just want to see more of it you want to keep cutting mm-hmm. back to it and when it cuts away it kind of just loses its power and then when it comes back again you're just like yes 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 and it totally 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 saves the film oh, yeah. for me this sequence if this wasn't in yeah. this this film we wouldn't even we'll talk yeah. about it I think this absolutely yeah. saves the film so for me yeah. that's why it's a massive I think highlight. you're
1: right I mean this is the highlight of the film by a long way for me the lightsaber fight it yeah. is genuinely brilliant you live The you of the fates music by John Williams <laughs>
0: Oh yeah Seems to have
1: won that in For a much better film But that is unbelievable Some of his best work I think yeah. And Darth Maul is fantastic yeah. You're right I've got no idea Why Lucas killed him off Because he's done it He's created this Genuinely good villain who put some drama Between him and yeah. Obi-Wan In the next film All he has to do Is put these two together With drawn lightsabers And we'll be like This is going to be awesome But yeah. no
0: yeah. yeah, vengeance, and you could have like Obi Wan. That's why he channels his anger and his heat. But you know how he yeah. really dig towards the Jedi. That whole, exploring all of that would have been so yeah.
1: good. So, but yeah, he chops him off and gets rid of him, which is just crazy. But the whole oh, thing, for the choreography is fantastic. The music is incredible. Yeah. The storytelling of this particular sequence as a standalone sequence, I think, is really, really good. It is far and away the best sequence in the film. Yeah, definitely. Another little highlight in the film, actually, which most people probably know about now, is the cameo in there from a famous Spielberg character, sort of.
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Go on yeah. the mat, Something like you know what I'm talking about. In the committee. Yeah. Yeah, AT, yeah. These are the yeah in the big yeah. Senate scenes where they have the big pod showing all the different alien species, there's a shot there of some AT aliens, which
0: is a nice touch. So they all exist in the same universe. It is a nice touch. There's Wookiees in there as well, which is pretty cool. First time it's been yeah, played it by anyone who isn't Peter Mayhew so not all bad then on the phantom menace no 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 no,
1: no. so we've covered off the main aspects of the film we wanted to there all that's left now was to decide has the phantom menace made the cut or will it be left on the cutting room floor let's find Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. okay then matt i'm going to come to you first your final thoughts and verdict Mm -hmm. please on the phantom menace
2: genuinely tried with this i honestly <laughs> came back to this haven't seen it for about 15 really? years and i thought you know what i want I, yeah i'm going to divorce it from the hype take it away from all the expectations that were heaped on his shoulders back then because no film could have lived up to those expectations back then and i thought you know what maybe there's going to be something that i missed maybe it did have more than the thought back then but honestly just just not really there are individual bits Neeson's having fun Darth Maul, like you guys said, he's absolutely incredible, steals the film. The effects are groundbreaking and they should be appreciated. The music's obviously amazing. Um, but honestly, mm. my favourite thing from The Phantom Menace is everything that's kind of happened afterwards. The fact that, you know, the jokes that you get in space <laughs> because of this. <laughs> We're, we've mentioned him already, but Peter Serafinowicz, if you go on YouTube and search for an interview of him talking about watching the premiere of this, yeah, yeah. it's a 20-minute interview Funny, did, yeah. it's one of the funniest things you'll ever hear. <laughs> yeah. Just that dawning realisation of what the hell am I in? <laughs> <Yeah>. brilliant. <laughs> Honestly, that's my favourite thing about The Phantom Menace, everything that came after it, the jokes that it, yeah. you know created, because really the film, it's just not very good. I mean, I've seen worse... But it's the tone, it's how childish it is. It's when it attempts to engage with me as an adult and it falls completely flat. And it's filled full of actors who mostly, they just look like the lost and they're not having a good time. And ultimately, like I said, the worst thing of all about this film, it's just so (laughs) dull. So for me, it comes nowhere close to making the cut. Wow. Slammed still. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said at the start, I was massively excited for the film before it came out, like loads of people were. And as I've mentioned all the way through this episode, it's far from great some good ideas in terms of a concept but the execution of the screenplay and then the direction of the movie is poor characters who are barely characters actors who barely seem to have been directed lucas seems to have forgot how to tell a story and direct a film which isn't a good combination when you write a director of a massively anticipated film in fairness though it does have its moments the lightsaber fight is brilliant i like the pod race john williams is great ilm are great And we've not really mentioned the other prequel films, but The Phantom Menace is easily my favourite of them. And I think that's mainly because of the nostalgia that I feel for it. I remember that anticipation, Mm. the excitement from the trailer, going to see it opening night. So I do actually have quite a lot of fondness for the film, despite its massive failings. And I do actually still come back to it to watch it every two or three years, which I don't with either two films. So I'm actually going to say The Phantom Menace, for me, has made the cut against all the odds, wow. even the wow. it's rubbish. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> never tell you the odds, John. never tell you the odds. So, Westy, it's all down to you. <laughs>
0: what a position to be, this is what he wanted all along. This is it, isn't it? Here we go. I can have a shave after this and get on my leg. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we have slammed it, and I feel like we have gone through you know the, the, a lot of the negative connotations that the film does have. It's not a good film. It's not a film that you can sit and you know as an adult thoroughly enjoy. It doesn't really have that depth. It doesn't have the emotion that it thinks it's got. Some of the performance are just downright atrocious. <laughs> but the cast's yeah. good. But I so I, you know it's 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 a hard one to fathom. But I think when you, when I watched it with my son, that's when I looked around and I saw him and he was seeing things and I'm just like, he was like, wow. Right. He was mm. like, that that's great. Oh, George R. is funny right. to him. You know what I mean? There's, there's some, and I, I was listening to it and I was watching it and I was making notes and there is some stuff in here that is incredibly, you know, positive positive. Positive messages, you know, about you know believing Uh in yourself and you know staying in the moment and don't let you you know don't think too much about the future, which is what he says to Obi Wan. Just stay in stay in the moment where you need to be, and that's really Mm -hmm. good advice for people. And if kids can pick up on that and get the positive vibe from it, then I'm all for it. So I think watching it with him really changed it for us because I didn't think that I was being disappointed. I thought he was being rewarded, and you've got to have it there if you're into Star Wars. They've always got to come back to this one. Irregardless of what we think, irregardless of how we think it should have been made, the man who invented the world made this one, and it's up yep. to him. And it was very, very successful. And if you look for the positives in it, just fast forward at the lights <laughs> It's great, and it's worth doing <laughs> just for that. Does I, I think it does deserve its place in the in the cut for me, but I'm putting it up there for my son. And I'm putting it up there for future generations, and I'm also putting it up there because this needs to be in the cutting room so people can put this on and say that's definitely not how you make them. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wow, what, what I mean, so, <laughs> so it's 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 there as, as to be celebrated by children and as a warning. To,
1: to, to <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> against all the odds, the Phantom Menace has made the cut. How'd that yeah. happen? <laughs> there you go. There we go. What the hell? I've made peace. I've made peace <laughs> with it. <laughs> okay, yeah, that is against the odds. Well, that's it then yeah. for this episode of The Cutting Room. Attack of the Clones next week. No. <laughs> <way> I <laughs> no let's do something oh, please, then I
2: can tell my favourite story about oh, Westy great. save it for that that sounds
1: good <laughs> yeah. if you've enjoyed this episode please like subscribe and share this video that really helps us out as we want to grow the channel leave some comments as well with your thoughts on the film and if you have any suggestions for other films you'd like us to cover on The Cutting Room tell us in the comments if you've not heard it already, we also have a podcast that releases every two weeks. That's where we do deep dives into classic and hit movies, so you should check that out if you've not already on all good streaming platforms. Yeah. The most recent one was Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. We don't just do Star Wars films, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're like that's it, done. We're done now, aren't we? I've made me peace with so it, I can move on. <laughs>
1: and to support us in what we do and to gain access to extra bonus content, please support us on Patreon as well your help and support massively appreciated on there and the yep. more support we get the more videos we can make and that's it we'll say bye for now everyone. so please subscribe share and watch yep. more videos please do
2: please do guys